I'm Jamie Sabak. And I'm Lisa Paradis. And this is the 110% Parks and Rec podcast. Tackling the most important issues and answering the biggest questions in the industry. Welcome to the 110% Parks and Rec podcast. Uh, my name's Matt, here with Jamie Sabak, Lisa Paradis. So good to have you guys again. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Matt. So we started off uh, last time with Parks and Rec, how we've gotten here. Now we're going to deep dive into some more specific uh, aspects of Parks and Recreation as a whole and what I'm sure a lot of people, uh, as we talked about a little bit in the last episode, um, might be concerning themselves with now more than ever is where the money is coming from, uh, how and what are you spending your money on, and of course, how that's being uh, replenished at the end of the day. So. Um, Lisa, let's start with you. What would you say is like maybe the biggest myth when it comes to Parks and Rec you know, agencies in terms of spending their money, how they get their money, um, you know, maybe things that they think are going to be okay but maybe won't be in the long term based on certain spending habits? Is there one big issue that keeps cropping up again and again? Well, I, I think there are a lot of myth, myths out there, um, but I think more in lies the, the problem of approach of, of how, how, how uh, agencies are funded. Um, you know, oftentimes, well, let me just say that uh, all park and recreation departments or agencies are not created equal. And they are funded in very different ways in very different parts of, um, of the country. And, and that, uh, that I think is, is belies a problem in that a lot of times people think that there is a cookie cutter approach to um, assessing how you, um, how you approach fees, for instance. For the most part, um, organizations have uh, a dual funding mechanism. Um, it's pretty straightforward. Typically, it's, it's, they're funded through tax dollars and they're funded through fees that they generate or raise, uh, and, and that is their, their revenue source. Um, how that happens, it happens very differently on both, both uh, the tax piece and as well as the fee generation. Taxes, uh, there, are, there are several, lots of agencies out there that are uh, dedicated park districts or dedicated special fund tax dis districts that they have allocated funds that are uh, dedicated just toward um, the function of the Parks and Recreation Agency. Um, a lot of times we, we uh, I refer to them as the streets paved with gold because it is, <laughs> it is a, a sort of a funding mechanism that is not something that is necessarily, um, uh, you know, it's something that, that a, a lot of uh, agencies uh, take for granted, if you mm -hmm. will. And, and, and it's understandable because it is part of the, the uh, uh, municipalities or, or government's um, structure. However, on the other side of the coin, there are a lot of agencies, smaller, larger um, agencies out there that, uh, that are somewhat tax funded. Uh, and, and they have to raise the rest of their cost of doing business through, uh, through the revenues that they, that they uh, get from, from fees, that they charge for programs, services, mm -hmm. facilities, rentals, things like that. 
Um, the, those agencies uh, have the biggest um, issues, I think. Uh, well, both both sides do, but but um, the agencies that have the burden of being a piece of a very large pie, mm -hmm. it's very difficult to become um, an essential service. Sometimes mm -hmm. when you're up against, a lot of times, the Department of Public Works and the police and the fire and the schools who are, mm -hmm. who are oftentimes thought to be the more important services out there because they're frontward facing important services. So there is a challenge a lot of times for those agencies and there, that is also the, the, the reason why a good business approach to understanding the cost, their cost of doing business is really important so that, so that their, the fees that they charge are in direct response to how much it is costing them to, to offer those services and a lot of times those two things don't, don't mesh well. On the, uh, the streets paved with gold side, I would say that there is a burden uh, on that side as well in that, um, that I think there's an uncertainty there that that's always going to be the case for each community. Mm -hmm. While um, we've, we've seen over the years that uh, tax districts have um, changed over time and it, they're very volatile in different um, kinds of economic climates. So uh, the ability for a, uh, an organization to remain agile and strategic in their approach to, uh, to, to their financial strategy and their financial planning is really important. Absolutely. And I know that you both have spoken about this in the past and, you know, Jamie, you and I have talked about this before in other projects uh, in months previous that, you know, income for your agency via tax allocation is never a guaranteed thing, yet some people still take it for granted. What, what's the story there? Well, I, take it for granted it is an interesting um, maybe description of how people see that. You know, you, you asked the question about myths. I mm -hmm. think that's one of the principal myths that we struggle with and have to face is the fact that we have community members, taxpayers who believe that their tax dollars foot the bill for all government services. And the reality is, you know, again, we, we reflect back on the first or the last podcast we did about the history of our profession and we really just talked about post-World War II to today. Um, tax dollars were expected to provide for services that were parks related for a while and then we started adding recreation services but the fundamental reality is taxpayer dollars cannot foot the bill for all park and rec services that we now provide and having these uninformed constituencies you know our citizens our taxpayers believe that their tax dollars pay for all government services including park services and recreation services is one of the biggest mistakes we have made as professionals is them allowing them to continue to believe that that's the case. And it's incumbent upon us to, you know, take the, the bull by the horns and take the reins and be better, you know, improve our efforts to educate and inform in a very respectful way. Um, the people who pay taxes in communities, so they better understand here's what your tax dollars pay for. If you'd like these additional services, you know, we're happy to entertain the idea, but understand that they come with a price tag. Mm -hmm. And how are we going to pay for those services? You know, how are we going to assume those costs? And they 
often will come at the cost of something else that people find near and dear to their heart. So I think a principal myth um, is this, this notion that people believe that their tax dollars pay for everything. And in reality, they just don't and they can't. You know, we're talking about a lot of uh, how the money's coming in in terms of covering existing costs, covering operating costs. But then there's also the question um, when it comes to spending with Parks and Rec uh, agencies uh, around North America, around the world, really. And, you know, Lisa, I'll turn to you on this one. What's like, are there any big mistakes with the funds that are in the bank that are made once they are there? Um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily to pin that type of behavior on anybody out there who's in the industry or anybody who's listening to this podcast. But clearly, when there's such a discrepancy, Jamie, as you, as you pointed out in, the, in our last podcast episode between, um, you know, people just wanting more and more services and the funds that are coming into the bank can't necessarily keep up with that demand. So are there any mistakes being made in terms of the spending once the funds have sort of arrived? People do the best that they can with the tools that they have right now. And I think that um, that part of the issue is that we have this this um, this this kind of misconception about what indirect and direct costs are and um, a lot of times we think we're capturing all of the costs of doing business within an agency uh, or an organization um, for a service the delivery of service when in fact there are a lot of costs and expenses out there that are not being captured and someone is footing the bill for that out there somebody out there is is doing that it's covered by somebody in the in the tax sector and um, and to identify that and to just be articulate about that and then articulate on the other side of how you're actually spending that that those tax dollars I think is very important we you know, I'm going to speak in collective terms. Um, I spent most of my career as a professional, right? I was a coordinator, I was an administrator. Um, there's, I think Lisa has used the term often as I have, there's a nobility about this profession that we want to do things for people. We want to provide services for people. And I think sometimes that comes at a price in terms of how we think about or maybe don't think about the most responsible way to deliver services. So if we we're going to place a, um, a label on some decision making and say it's a mistake, I think one of the, the, the actions that we take that needs some corrective action, frankly, is being more thoughtful and being more responsible in evaluating services and really thinking about what it is we're providing and who are we trying to affect or impact what are the goals of the services? What's the competition look like today, right? Being smart and intelligent and determining which services we need to provide. Are they effective? Are they having impacts? What does it cost us to deliver these services? And is it worth the investment? And I don't think, frankly, across the board, we do a good job with that. It's not to suggest that there aren't organizations and professionals out there who aren't really smart and intelligent in how they make decisions, but I think that across the board we could do better collectively as a profession. We can do better in terms of being smarter and more thoughtful in how we're going to spend the finite tax resources we have. I won't even say limited, I'll say the finite dollars we have to play with. 
how are we investing them and are we getting a good return on that investment? Are we getting the bang for the buck that we're looking for and that we need to be having and making um, in a community? So I, I, you know, if I were to, to select um, a kind of a broad stroke mistake based upon you know, the 20 years as a practitioner that I um, have experienced and then the 10 plus years as a consultant I've been doing this kind of work, um, I think one of the biggest mistakes we make is not evaluating how we do business and really taking a step back and thinking about being, again, a little bit more smart and intelligent in the decisions we're making and how we're spending money. You know, go, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to hone in on that just a bit. Now, and I wanted to even just focus on two things that Jamie and I talk about all the time. Um, and, and one is uh, focusing on uh, service delivery that you can do well and that is not being done better by other private, public, other places out there that you should, you, should, you should really eliminate. It's a very, we talked about hard choices. Those are some of the hard choices that people have to make. It's very hard for us in this noble profession to say we are not going to offer X, Y, Z because somebody else down the road is doing it better. For some reason we have this inherent need to try to offer the same kinds of things that other that other um, other organizations might be doing better mm -hmm. and for probably um, you know that, that that would cost them less the other part to that I think um, is is uh, not having a focus on deferred maintenance and what that looks like in infrastructure and I think a lot of times in the industry um, and this is something that Jamie and I talk about all the time is that that there's a lot of building going on people really like shiny new things and they like new buildings, but there's a there's sort of a, a, a blinders on effect when you're building new things that you're not really taking care of the stuff that you already have, the facilities, the the um, the, the the kinds of things that you already have that need attention that have deferred maintenance over the years. So without a plan to fix what you already have, um, it should be uh, part of your business model to reevaluate any new growth. You know, I think that's a really good point and. You know, it's a, again, we're talking in global sort of broad strokes here across the industry. But as we did uh, in our previous podcast episode, um, I'm not one to bring up problems on this show without potentially offering some solutions. So um, in terms of heightening that business acumen, Jamie, I'll start with you. What's like sort of an, an easy sort of take home piece of, uh, of, of almost, I don't want to call it homework, but something that people listening out there can sort of take and implement in their organizations, um, you know, in, in a short amount of time that could make a difference where it, when it comes to thinking about um, their agency in more business-like terms? You know, it, it's certainly a great question. Um, there are so many first steps we can take, baby steps, if you will, and, and that's one thing that I think Lisa and I agree on is these are, they seem like cumbersome, overwhelming um, issues to tackle. At the same time, these are tremendous opportunities that we have in front of us. And I think one of the first things that any organization can do, or I won't say organization, I will say any professional can do, particularly those responsible for service delivery, which is our frontline folks, right, boots on the ground, um, is just take a step back and, you know, select one service. I don't care if it's a day camp or a, a swim lesson or whatever it might be and really break it down and analyze it based upon you know what was the original intent of the service to begin with and are you meeting those goals right you know we, we were supposed to set goals in anything we do 
know, what's the point? What's the purpose of providing the service? And are you meeting that purpose? You know, are you meeting your goals? Um, if you say you're, you're providing a service for a particular market, yet you're seeing two and three people continue to register and you're still providing the service, um, something's wrong. If, to Lisa's point, there are other providers out there in that space providing similar services and they're doing either a better job or they're capturing more market, I think it begs the question, should I stay in this game? Um, and we have to be very careful that our default response isn't always, well, we provide it more affordably. You know, we give it away for nothing or free. Um, because sometimes we say that with the expectation that we're going to provide for low-income families or people who can't access services, yet if we really do the evaluation and look at who's participating, uh, I would argue more often than not, we're not touching those people. Um, so I think we just have to, again, take baby steps and really begin to evaluate services and do it in a very um, iterative way. Pick one service and look at market, look at competition. and. If you're so inclined and you have the capacity to do this, find out what it's costing you and is it worth the investment. Um, I think it's a, a first, it's a great first step to begin to apply very simple business principles to how we do things so that we're spending our money responsibly, wisely, we're putting it towards those services that must have the tax resources, like our public parks, like programs and services for low-income families, all those critical social services that we are expected to provide. And Speaking of, of baby steps, first steps, Lisa, do you have anything to add? I mean, we're sort of talking about, I think, uh, in a skeletal way, almost like making a bit of a business plan for your Parks and Rec agency, aren't we? Mm. Yeah, it really is. And I think a lot of times uh, people are um, scared with the thought of um, having to tackle something that they think is as cumbersome as a business plan. But I, but I always sort of like to break things down into two sort of very simple things and that is if you can ask your your leadership and your frontline staff and your you know, stakeholders the, the question of why why are we offering this service Jamie just said that very articulately but but the reality is if you can ask that question why why are we offering this service why do we do what we do and you have a great answer to that if you were if you offer a thousand programs and you have a great answer to to most of them, and then, then the question therein lies the how. If you can answer the, the why with a, with a good positive answer, and there's a whole other bunch of things you can do with that, then you go to the how. How do you offer that in a better way? What does that look like? How do you, how do you make that um, investment, as Jamie outlined, how do you make that investment the best uh, investment you can? And then how do you strategize around those investments to create a sound financial uh, game plan for your organization. Pretty simple, but I, it sounds simple, and I think it is very simple. It can be very simple. Well, I, I agree with you. It's simple, like you said, baby steps and first steps, really, to pursuing uh, the change for the better that we've been talking about since this podcast series started. Thanks, guys. For more great 110% podcasting content, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your app of choice.